The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. All right. Well, welcome to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba of Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes, Home Street Bank. And, uh, well, like they said, we're here to bring up a roundup of real estate and mortgage news and a whole bunch of other fun subjects along the way over the several weeks that we plan on running this program. So welcome to our second show. We're new to the station here. Welcome. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yes. So we wanted to make sure and kind of start with a recap of last week. So giving people a little bit of our backgrounds because everybody out there is getting to know us uh, since we're brand new to the station. So Eric, why don't we start off with you? Why don't you give a little bit of background on yourself again so people know who we're talking to this week? Sure. I'm a mortgage lender. I'm a Seattle native, graduate of Seattle University. So spent most of my most of my life here right in the Pacific Northwest. I've been in the banking industry for over 30 years. Uh, Almost make, too long. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit scary like that. I have no choice in the matter. It's a calling. Yes, it, yes. It, it's absolutely a calling, I think, given given the ups and downs that you've seen over the decades, for sure. Uh, and for myself, I have been in the real estate industry since 2003, coming from a 13-year background in the technology sector, working both in hardware and software, and now working with real estate for 12 years. Been a fast 12 years and a... Tremendous roller coaster if, if we've gone Absolutely. through some ups and downs in our market and changes in the industry. So I'm just glad I still have more hair than you do. Hey, but you're still surviving? Yeah, that <laughs> hey, that's right. That's right. I tell my I tell my customers I lose one lose one hair for every credit report I pull, so that's my excuse. It's shocking that you're not bald everywhere. <laughs> I know you've done a lot of transactions over the years, so I'm actually surprised you're not completely nude. But uh, anyway, I'm glad I don't have to have that issue in my work. (laughs) All right. So one of the things that we talked about last week uh, was what was going on with the Fed. Right. And you had some predictions. Yes. And how did you do? Why don't you tell us what your prediction was and what what came of it? Well, my my prediction last week was that the Fed would not change interest rates and uh you know i had a 50 50 shot at that so you know in in in, um, hindsight that's exactly what happened the the federal reserve did not hike interest rates and um sort of unlike a a consensus for a for a no hike scenario the fed um, announcement and then subsequent to that uh the um you know the head of the federal reserve janet yellen um, made a press conference and she struck kind of a dovish tone um about future rate hikes as well because part dovish. of dovish explain dovish. what you mean by dovish dovish um she's scared how's that oh she, <laughs> okay. she peaceful is that yeah, mean peaceful there, there, there you go a little bit more tame about about the threat of future rate hikes as well because the part of the consensus or the the the, the thinking was if the fed did not increase rates you know this month in september they would they would increase possibly in october or in december the Federal Open Market Committee meets every six weeks, and so they may, they'll make a vote on what to do with interest rates. Okay. So 
the Fed also sort of broke some new ground last week. Um, normally, the Fed is concerned about our domestic economy, and really, the charter of the Fed is to promote full employment for our for our economy and low unemployment. You know, they, mm-hmm. they want to basically be be helping our economy create jobs without and, mm-hmm. and also along with that controlling inflation. So they're sort of walking a line. They don't want to overstimulate, but then again, they don't want to, you know, understimulate as right. well. Well, they threw in another piece here, which they're talking about global economics and uh, and financial developments worldwide. Oh, interesting. As a concern. Okay. So this is new for the Fed, um, and they're they're basically at this point acknowledging that we're not alone out there, and the you know the success of of the economies in Europe and Asia have a direct impact on our economy, and they're not ignoring that at this point. So so part of the reason they held back. Um, and do you find that a plus or a negative? Well, it's a reality. Yeah. Um, but it's just a little bit different from what their normal charter is. So, right. uh, yeah, I, I, I found Do you that. think some of that may have been changed uh, even just because of when we had our recession, the global economy was impacted so much just by our mortgage markets? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're going to see that, that, that you know, as, as, as our economies all become more and more interconnected, you know, this, you know, we're all sort of working mm-hmm. towards that. Uh, I, I usually find some of the clients I have, uh, especially younger clients, had no idea that back pre-2006, 2007, uh, that the Chinese had owned a majority of the mortgage-backed securities for the United States. And they found that kind of surprising, but it was that's that's really part of our global economy at work, though. We could do a whole show on that, um, you know, on just right, kind yeah. of what happens behind the scenes with mortgages. But you're ab- absolutely right, and um, you know, we we really are relying on the, the the global economy now. Mortgage rates benefited this year. We we started mm-hmm. the year kind of high, but 2015, the beginning of the year, we got off to a a pretty good start, um, thanks to Europe. Uh, Europe started a what was called a quantitative easing uh, of of their interest rates, sort of backing off on their rates, and we benefited from that. So we saw rates dip down a little bit. Uh, we also benefited from the debt crisis in Greece, so right. which has an economy that's what I, I I'm not an expert on this, the size of Oregon, maybe something <laughs> like that. It's not that big, but. The, the consequences of a default in Greece was was considered significant. I would say the wine in Oregon is better than Greece. I'm going to go along with you. I know on that's that a completely no, other I'm, tangent, I'm, but if I'm, you've had Retsina, I'm not a fan of the pine inside my wine. Okay, you're way above my level at this point. So, um, but uh, you know, I, I'm I'm just happy that Rainier beer is still out there. You oh, know, good go Lord. Gay. So. Anyway, but but no, so you know, so we benefited from Greece, and now uh, we've benefited from uh, our mortgage rates. I should say, have benefited from mm-hmm. a, a economic slowdown in China, and right. uh, all of these factors are causing it caused the Fed to hold back uh, mm-hmm. increasing rates, and it caused mortgage rates to drop. So, yeah. well, I will say that uh, at least from my side of the table in the real estate mortgage world, we'd been hearing this time a year ago that everyone was concerned that in 2015 we were going to see those rates rising very quickly. And by the end of this year, we would see right. probably you know, pushing towards five. And here we are. We're still under 4% absolutely. for a 30-year yeah. fixed so rate mortgage. It, it's been a good year in that, at least for buyers, they have maintained these nice low interest rates. Absolutely. 
so we're we're super super happy with that. Uh, we had a nice rally in, in mortgage rates uh, after the Fed announcement um, uh, last week. Uh, this week uh, we had a little bit of a pullback on Monday, uh, which is to be consider you know expected. There's going to be profit taking. That sort of thing always tends to happen. But then it's it's uh, settled back down. Today we had some nice. Uh, you know, nice little drop in the rates, and and they're they're hanging in there. So, so let me ask you something because you just used a couple of terms that uh, you said you had mortgage rates rally. Right. And what do you mean by that? Because okay, good point. to me, when I when I think of rallying, such as in stocks, I'm thinking prices are up. Yeah, I'm but speaking, what do you mean? This sort of banker speak, I guess, if mm-hmm. you will. So, mortgage rates are driven by the bond market, mm-hmm. and the bond market is driven by fear. Uh, mm-hmm. Fear of inflation, <laughs> basically. Yay, fear. So, if you think about it this way, the way bonds work, uh, anything that slows the economy down will tend to lower interest rates, and anything that heats the economy up will tend to, to increase mm-hmm. rates. So, bad news is good, right. uh, you know, by and large. So, in your parlance, though, rallying means mm-hmm. the rates have gotten better. Yeah, exactly. So, which is the Exact opposite of what you might think of for stocks. Right, because when a bond rally, when the bond market rallies, it means that bond prices are increasing and interest rates are decreasing. There's sort okay. of an inverse effect there. Okay, so, I just want to make sure for anyone who's listening, especially if they're not used to hearing some of this, because I know we've been telling a bunch of our past clients and potentially future clients to listen to this show, and a lot of them might even be first-time buyers. And sure. so making sure they understand what we're talking about and the terminology I think is important. Absolutely. So uh, 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 rally's good. We had a little bit of a drop in rates and uh, and they're not going up right now. We've been we've been very extremely fortunate and blessed with that. So so far so good um, okay. with, with the interest rate environment. Okay. Well, I want to make sure because we're uh, getting closer towards the end of this segment. So I want to make sure that we get a chance to talk about the phone number because we're going to open up calls for the rest of the show. Absolutely. We so would love your calls. Call us with your questions. If it's anything related to real estate or finance or mortgage, anything like that, we're here to help. You can reach us toll-free at 1-866-712-1300, 866-712-1300, locally at 206-441-5565, 206-441-5565. So call us up. You know, love to hit us with your questions. Uh, see if you can stump the stump the panel here. We we uh, love to love to hear from you. And um, Reba, also last week we were talking about the, the the real estate market. I know you brought some data today on on uh, sort of what's going on in our in our local area. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one of the things that we had discussed last week was the pace of inventory and the lack of inventory that we're experiencing uh, in specifically the the Washington area and and around Puget Sound. And I wanted to give some uh, very specific numbers uh, from a report from the Northwest Multiple Listing Service, which is the database that all of us local uh, real estate agents use to to post our listings. So uh, to give some comparisons for single-family homes and condominiums, in King County, for this month, if we look at how much inventory there is, which is if you were to take a specific point in time or day and say, okay, based on the pace of sales, how much inventory is out there? 
And we have 1.31 months of inventory. Yikes. In King County. That's really low, right? It's extraordinarily low. And comparing that to last year, the same month a year ago, we were at 2.07. Why do you think that is? Which is still very low. That's, it should, what's a normal inventory level? About six months worth? Well, if you have what they like to consider a balanced market, four to six months in our area would be typical where buyers and sellers are kind of at the same negotiating level. Uh, but right now we have such a shortage of inventory that the sellers definitely uh, have got a little bit of the upper hand. And that's also one of the reasons that you're seeing so many of these uh, bidding wars that are going on, or even if there's not a bidding war, properties are selling very, very quickly. Uh, as an example, I just did a market analysis for someone in Kirkland and the inventory in her area is selling within 12 days on average. Hold that thought, Reba. When we come back, when we're going to talk more about the local market, call mm-hmm. us up with your questions, 866-712-1300. This is Business Radio 1300 KKOL. Got a question? Call it in, 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes. I'm Reba Hass. And each week we're going to be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news. And this is a live call-in show. Call us with your questions. 1-866-712-1300. 866-712-1300. Or you can even send them to us on uh, Twitter. Sure. If you find me at my handle, uh, at Team Reba, you can certainly either do a direct message or just ping us on the app and I'll be able to catch it here in the studio and answer questions live. And we will most likely, that's right, respond real time to that. Yeah, and if they don't happen to come in while we're on the air, we'll save it for the next week and bring it back. Absolutely, absolutely. So Reba, before the break, you were telling us a little bit of an update about the market. What's Mm -hmm. going on locally? Okay, so we covered King County and uh, what's going on with the average months, or not average, but the months of inventory. And I want to make sure and cover some of the other major counties around here because I think that's of interest to a lot of folks because you might live in Snohomish County but work in Bellevue or Seattle. Uh, so you want to know what's going on in your own areas too. So Snohomish County is currently at a 1.76 month inventory level. And that's compared to last year at this time of 2.65 months. So Pretty much everyone across the board. Pierce County, same thing. They're at 2.45 months right now. Last year at this point was 3.34 months. Kitsap County was very similar at 2.53 for this month. And last year at this time was 3.89. So across the board in almost every single county in the state, we have reduced inventory of one to two months difference from last year. And that's been a trend that's been happening since about 2012. What do you think the cause of that is? Well, a lot of it was obviously, you know, when we had our recession, that started in mid-2007. And the builders that were overextended at that point and had more than they actually could complete, uh, once they had gotten rid of all their inventory or gone under, uh, we were at about 2009, right, for the year. And so we didn't really have any new building starts between 2009, 2010. Sure. And so that that began part of the issue along with the folks who were underwater. So if you look at the typical timeline that an American owns a home, prior to the recession, we were averaging five to seven years. Right. And because of the loss of equity 
that a lot of people had uh, because it, it can cost uh, a significant amount of money to sell your home. You know, it's usually anywhere between six to 10 percent of the cost. Uh, you know, so you have to have some appreciation. So that was a delay in appreciation for people. They'd either have to do a short sale or they were barely breaking even or they were losing equity positions if they'd put significant down payments down. So a lot of people just held off. You know, uh, the perfect anecdote would be I just had somebody contact me from Woodenville the other day that was someone I spoke to in 2007 or 2008. And the husband has just now decided to retire in early 2016. We had been speaking seven, eight years ago about that same situation, but the value went down. They're probably going to be in a better situation now. And one of the things that I do like that they've done in the meantime is they've done some updating and what have you to this older home. So they'll probably get everything back out of it. Uh, But the fact that we had that period of time with no new construction, lots of people in a wait and see mode, or they were just not in a position to sell, that just sucked up the available inventory that was there. Sure. And now we have a lot of pent up demand. Absolutely. Uh, Employment is in a much better position than it was five years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a lot of uh, jobs coming into the area, a lot of people moving into the area. Again, a lot of our large tech firms are still bringing people from out of area because we don't have certain kinds of workers uh, that are needed locally. uh, So they have to import those from other areas, other countries, other states, other cities. Uh, So there's just a huge amount of demand right now. And most of the neighborhoods around locally here are pretty much caught up from where we were back in 2009, right? The majority of them, yes, absolutely. When we go back and take a look at the people who are selling, uh, we can see that they're either in a break-even position or they may actually be getting equity back again. Good. And I guess even from a financing standpoint, I'd argue there's been so much reform and regulation in the mm-hmm. mortgage industry that this run up in prices recently mm-hmm. is a lot healthier oh, than, absolutely. than prior run ups in prices that mm-hmm. were founded a lot on, on heavy speculation and, and maybe some questionable lending practices. I would completely agree with you on that. Yeah, I've actually been a fan of the fact that things became more restrictive. Uh, sorry to all the people out there having to fill out their mortgage applications <laughs> and feeling like they're giving their first child away to the bank <laughs> to, to get that loan. We're all used to it now. It's not so not so bad anymore. <laughs> it, it it used to be a little, um, you know, the the pendulum swung pretty 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 hard. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Frank, and that's typical, right? Oh, absolutely. And and uh, you know, part of the well, we might talk about this a little bit later today, but part of the the changes in the in the industry was uh, a significant amount of regulation put on. Uh, lenders uh, really kind of kicked in in 2010. Mm -hmm. One of those is what's called the CFPB, the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. Which will be impacting us very soon again. October 3rd. uh, We might talk Mm -hmm. about that in a little bit as well. Yes. Uh, The the head of the CFPB is uh, Franklin uh, Cordray, uh, and and he recently made a speech. He was talking about the, the changes in the mortgage market over the last you know, decade or so, we're nothing short of, of dazzling was the, the term that he used. It's been significant what we've gone through. So Nothing short of dazzling? Dazzling. I don't know if oh, I'd use the let me same get my analogy. Sunglasses on. Yeah, there's some Future's days so where, 
You know, back in the the, the dark days of 2010, I, I would not have used the word dazzling, but yeah. you know, that's, that's okay. That's okay. I can rarely see you using the term dazzling, period. Well, that's kind of not, maybe not my, part of my vernacular, but... Not really. Okay, so we know that there's inventory or are, are frighteningly low, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we know that there's there's lots and lots of buyers out there chasing not, not so many homes. Yes. So that, that leads to some problems for a buyer in this Absolutely. market. Absolutely. It does. So let's talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. What, what do we need to worry about? What, what you need to worry about or what strategies you need well, to put let's in talk place? About, let's talk about maybe the, the, the strategies because okay. I think that the two kind of go I don't like to put fear into people's well, minds. Well, scare anybody. Yeah, but, don't scare uh, them. Like, oh, no. let's be afraid. Be very That's, afraid. No, there's still some, some really good bargains out there. And, and you mm-hmm. know, I was reading a report from the Mortgage Bankers Association that's anticipating the next 11 years to be basically boom time that we're seeing a shift in our demographics we're going to see significant home purchase activity you know going on for the for the extended extended future here so uh, purchase activity yes whether or not it's going to be boom times the whole well, period I, you know in terms of are we going to be matching the kind of appreciation we've had the last few years maybe maybe not Right. Uh, because there's in, in my world, uh, there's a lot of discussion that really it's uh, the economists that I've been listening to are saying the next two to three years, we're still going to get this really nice, strong appreciation like we've experienced right. the last three. Uh, but because of the millennials coming into the marketplace and, you know, what kind of pushes or prods them to finally form their own households, that probably goes along with that 11 year period because that age group is definitely going to start filling in more of the buyer activity than what we're seeing today because there is still uh, quite a few folks that are, you know, still living at home and maybe they're not enjoying it, but it's a way for them to save money, pay down student debt, get themselves into a position to be able to purchase. And we're starting to see more and more of that kind of clientele coming into the marketplace right now, for sure. But um, to your question about you know, dealing with these multiple offer situations, uh, what are some strategies people can uh, put in place? There's uh, three major points that I think you and I have talked about in the past uh, that I, I want to make sure we convey today that in in the pre- preparation of going out and putting an offer on a property, especially if it's one that's, you know, perfect condition, total move-in ready, uh, there's going to be a lot of competition. You'll see lots of folks at an open house. Uh, so it kind of gets everyone's creative juices flowing on oh my gosh how are we going to get this house i gotta have this house feeding frenzy going oh yeah they totally you know set it up to get the feeding frenzy it's like you know putting chum out for sharks right so (laughs) it's uh the kind of situation where you know everyone's looking at each other going oh who's here and who has an inspector and are they doing pre-inspections and you know what can we do how can we get a leg up on these and there's there's lots of different strategies so uh, i know when we're talking with our clients uh you know, we try and set it up for success in a number of ways. One of them is look at how you're setting up your financing and how you're having your documentation for that as you submit offers. Uh, and then making sure you've got your your lender on board for approaching whoever that listing agent is, because sure. that's incredibly important. Absolutely. And then there's also the inspection process of do you do one? Do you do a pre-inspection? Are they allowing pre-inspections? Are you doing a sewer scope? Uh, those are all things that you have to really consider and, uh, and how they may or may not be weighed with how your offer is, is reviewed. 
And then there's the strategies within the offer itself, right? And uh, whether or not you do escalation clauses or you do your highest and best. And we can go into some details specific to each of those points. Sure. And the point is every every contingency that you put into your contract mm-hmm. basically is an escape clause for the, for your buyer or can be. Not uh, but- not always escape clauses there uh, because a title contingency is not an escape clause. And mm-hmm. I have seen agents remove that for contracts, uh, which I guess I kind of understand why they might uh, because they want to have it look like it's a super clean offer, but they're removing something that's important for their client in terms of uh, it's not a control issue. It's a making sure they're covered and not taking on a liability that they're not anticipating because there are liens that can show up after the fact or during your contract period that are a surprise. Sure. But aren't you seeing a, a lot of offers now where, where the, the buyer is being persuaded to basically waive all of the protection they have in oh, that absolutely. contract just to get I the have. deal? It's, it's a little bit of a, a wild west atmosphere. Uh, we had a multiple offer situation recently where a whole lot of people had not done a pre-inspection and we were allowing them. We had the house on market for a week allowing pre-inspections and we still had six out of eight offers that waived inspection i to this day i'm like i I don't understand why (laughs) it seemed kind of silly to me but okay and there were other elements that were completely wiped out of their uh contracts that completely stunned me uh, and left their buyers Kind of hanging in the wind, really. Yeah, sure, sure. Because, you know, there's there's a lot of things that can happen after the sale closes. And I thought, okay, you know, it's not that we were going to be an unreasonable party, but I, I was really stunned at the number of things that they were removing. I did, In some cases, I knew it was newer type agents uh, that maybe didn't have experience or were following some guidelines that maybe were a bit questionable. Uh but there were some folks who had a lot of experience, too. So one of them in particular, though, she at least had worked in that development a lot. Wow. We have a lot to talk about and how to come up with some strategies to avoid those pitfalls. When we come back, we're on Business Radio 1300 KKOL. If you'd like to call into the show, now's your chance. It's 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Hi, I'm Reba Haas with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes with Home Street Bank. And you're back with Open House with Team Reba. Uh, So after uh, or before the break, uh, we were talking about strategies for dealing with multiple offers. And I want to make a point of not just getting into all the contractual pieces, but um, some of the major elements of the contract that have to do with financing. So we're going to end up making you talk a little bit, Eric. because I know that in the multiple offer situations, it's not always how many contingencies that someone waives. Sure. Really, the number one thing those sellers are looking for is top dollar. Yeah, they're looking for the business terms, not just, hey, did you waive your inspection? Did you waive your title? Did you waive all these other things? Really, the number one thing they give a patootie about, <laughs> I could say patootie, right? Yeah. <laughs> Is really the price because someone will wait two weeks to get more money sure. if it looks like it's going to be able to get through a financing situation, right? Right. They want to know that it's going to be a successful closing. Absolutely. So, so number one, the price, how much money they're going to get. Number mm-hmm. two, is this a good 
solid buyer. Correct. Yeah. Because there's some folks who seem to think that cash is everything. But I'll tell you, I've seen firsthand that a seller who's given an opportunity to get another five or 10,000 or maybe $20,000 is fine waiting two weeks. Mm hmm. Yeah. You know, because a cash deal can typically close within about a two week period. Sure. Financing is typically around 30 days right now. And so if someone can actually close in that three or four week period and the seller nets out a significant extra sum, that's really what they care about. Got it. Got it. So I know we've worked together on deals where, you know, we have a starting price. We know there's multiple offers. There's maybe an escalation involved or we get pinged back by a listing agent to say, hey, we need your highest and best. Right. Right. So why don't you talk a little bit about the pre-approval situation in those cases and how you typically work with an agent? Sure. I mean, from a lending standpoint, there's there's lots of different types of pre-approval documents that are floating out there in the marketplace. And really there's, I'd kind of call it three levels. There's a pre-qualification and you'll see a, a pre-qualification mm-hmm. letter. And really all that is, is the loan officer's opinion saying mm-hmm. we think that this person qualifies for this right. for this home. Yeah, and that's worth what paper it's written on. Pretty much. If that. Pretty yeah. much. So most 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 real estate agents out there will look at a prequalification and they 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 kind of that's going to go lower on lower on the list. Right. Right. The, the next level is a preapproval. And and what that means is that in in theory at least that the loan officer has met with the customers, they've looked at their financial information, they've run their credit They've run their, their ratios, and basically we run the loan through a decision engine, you know, and, and these could be through FHA or through Fannie Mae, Freddie Mackey here is talking about, uh, where we've got an automated approval. So that gives us a fairly high degree of, of comfort that this is going to be an approvable loan. Mm-hmm. The problem with even with an automated approval is it's only as good as the information that's input. I was going to ask, because I'm sure sometimes you get surprises when well, full application's made. Every loan is a story problem, and mm-hmm. every person's circumstances are different. So, yeah. Kids, pay attention why you should. That's right. Uh, pay attention to your math class. Uh, well, abs- <laughs> absolutely, because we can run into circumstances where maybe we think the income's okay, but it's not because it hasn't been around mm-hmm. for two years or it's not stable. There's, right. there's all kinds People of. People who have commissions or stock options, there's all kinds sure. of things that can be. Which is all fine, but, mm-hmm. but, you, but, but you just want to make sure that it's been properly vetted. Mm-hmm. There's a third level of approval, which is basically the loan's been underwritten. It's, it's uh, been looked at by a, a loan underwriter who actually issues a formal full loan approval. We call it a credit approval. Uh, they've, they've signed off on it. The bank's issued a commitment letter mm-hmm. you know, to, to, that, to that customer. And, uh, and that's going to be your strongest uh, type of an approval. Have they also vetted out the down payment and where it's coming from in that c- scenario? Yes. Okay. So, so really in, in, in the, the, the last two, uh, an automated approval or a full uh, underwrite, um, the loan officer in an automated approval should really be looking at that. Where's the cash coming from? Mm-hmm. needs to come from an acceptable source. Mm-hmm. And a uh, little hint out there, guys, you know, if, if – um, uh, a lender is going to look for two months of bank account statements. And these days mm-hmm. we have to look for any large deposits that show up on those statements. If we see something out of the ordinary that's basically more than half your income. Yep. You know, I was going to say define large yeah. deposit. Well, for a conventional loan, it's half your income. For an FHA or VA loan, it would be a quarter, you know, 25% of your income. We have to document the source of that money. Mm-hmm. And for those folks, because I will tell you, 
we've we've both I know we both have seen this happen a lot of times where somebody comes in and once you start vetting them out this could sometimes even be months down the road right. suddenly you learn oh right so you're not pulling your money from that account you're actually getting money from your parents right Where's Ooh, it coming hold from? your horses that's right that's a whole different other scenario that's right I kind of like to use the term CSI Fannie Mae. You know, we have to have a forensic paper trail of where the money's coming from. Mm -hmm. Now, if there was a large deposit, say, three months ago, and we're Mm -hmm. only asking for two months of account statements, we might not know about that. Right. But anything within within the most recent two months, you know, then yes, we have to document what, what those sources are, where they came from. Are there any kind of borrowers that would go outside the two month window? Well, there can be, uh, yes. Like and, self-employed? And one of, well, one of the best um, circumstances, I, I guess, to kind of describe that is a person who's renting right now, mm-hmm. but they're paying rent not to a property management company. They're paying rent to a, a private individual or possibly to a relative. The way we document the yeah. rent is by getting 12 months of verification of the rent payments. Mm-hmm. Well, what if it's paid in cash? What if it's right. a transfer from a bank account? Ooh, man, yeah. now all of a sudden we're going to ask for 12 months of bank statements. Right. And we got to look at what's we've, on those we've bank statements. We've had that come up before. Absolutely. Yeah. So there can be some some landmines, you know, hiding, hiding, hiding in there. Well, yeah. And in fact, uh, I had one recently. Uh, sorry, you weren't the lender on it. But uh, the gentleman's, my client's landlord had gotten sick. And it was a, a much older gentleman and so he just hadn't cashed their check yet because he was in the hospital and couldn't get to the bank in time. And it almost threw a big monkey wrench sure. into their process because they had to get a letter of explanation. And I remember they had to drive all the way to Arlington and track down their landlord and get a letter signed by him because he doesn't use a computer. And so it put a, a whole bunch of other hoops to jump through. We get a lot of, uh, we have to request a lot of letters of explanation. And the reason for mm-hmm. that. It has to do not so much with the loan officer being mean or the bank being mean. Uh, really what it comes down to is that once the loan is made, most loans are sold off on the secondary market. Mm-hmm. So they might go to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or Ginny Mae if it's an FHA loan or a government loan. Well, these agencies have tremendous power over, over the lender. Mm-hmm. If we make a mistake, uh, if, if we have a, a defect is what we basically call it with our loan, and it used to be up to a year after the loan is made, a, a, a lender can be forced to repurchase that loan at a, at a tremendous loss. Right. These days, it's And that even, hits everybody down the line who was involved with that loan, too. Especially, yes, that's right, underwriters and, and you know, who, who an underwriter's record is, is an important part of their, mm-hmm. their, their job performance. And if they have things come back on them, yeah, it can affect them. They can lose their jobs over it. So, oh, yeah. So, so everybody's nervous about that. It's even worse these days, though, because as part of the new regulations out, the lender can be sued, you know, for uh, making material defects. As a matter of fact, when we make an FHA loan, uh, the lender's required to certify that there are no defects on the loan. Well, would we send the loan if we knew about a defect? No, we're not. I mean, right. you know, but we have to certify. Nope, there's no defects and on this loan. And that's new, you said. Yeah, this is new. And oh, it, it, gosh. This, this loan is perfect. Okay. Well, well, no wonder you guys are paranoid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've seen loans um, come back be be have to be repurchased, or at least we have to to fight about it uh, because a photocopy was crooked or it was blurry. Mm-hmm. Uh, bank statement, if it says there's five pages and we have only four pages, right. but every know everyone knows yeah. page five is 
you know, the checklist that you, where you balance your checkbook, you know, mm -hmm. if we don't have that in the file, that's a defect. And, okay. uh, and so it's a reason that lenders can be very picky. Right. We try and support you guys from, from our side of it by kind of supporting why you're looking for those things regularly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, but back to strategy. I mean, yeah. so, so when, when, um, when, you know, we're, we're writing a pre-approval letter, um, I, I've, I've had realtors call me, um, Hey, I got your letter. We're, we're reviewing offers, you know, tell me a little bit about, about your, your, your buyer. And, uh, as a lender, I have to be super careful about that because right. I can't divulge confidential information. Right. Um, but we also want to do whatever we can to give that, give that buyer a leg up, right. you know, in that transaction. Okay. So from a strategy perspective though, let me ask you this, because I've made those phone calls myself as a listing agent and I've been on the buyer side of it as well, where we're in the multiple offers. Uh, I know frequently the way we kind of work with you is we'll set up multiple maybe price points pre-approval letters as long as it's still within the range of what the client qualifies for sure. and then we'll have that conversation up front before even submitting that offer of how we went to go about phasing in any specific details right that's right because we have the same thing in agency we have a duty of confidentiality to our client so the point is if they don't want to overpay for a property you know, we're trying to navigate and negotiate that as well. But when we're in a multiple offer situation, you know, we're calling to find out how many offers are there. And we may be conveying that information to you and the client at the same time to say, how do you want to approach where we go with this particular price sure, point? Sure, sure. Because it will impact the escalation clauses if we have one or if we're going to submit another price without escalations. Absolutely. Right? Yep. So if you do you have those conversations with the majority of your buyers of strategizing some of that? I do. And and, and also we get into a, uh, the conversation what if the price goes up? I, I have a mm -hmm. transaction right now in the Ravenna neighborhood of Seattle that was originally a home listed around 760,000. When we got to the end our 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 buyer got it. I mm -hmm. called the listing agent. We said how strong our buyers were. They're fantastic buyers. And uh, we ended up selling for eight hundred and fifty thousand, right. you know, ninety thousand dollars higher than than the listed price. Uh, the the transaction went smoothly; it's appraising fine. But in addition to that ninety thousand dollar escalation, we also had to agree to uh, close the transaction within about three weeks, which is oh, fast. Right, yeah. So yeah. you know, it's fast. Everything's got to be, you know, got to go along perfectly for for all of that to happen, and so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have the conversation with my buyers. Number one, hey, we're ninety thousand dollars higher. Let's let's talk about what that's going mm -hmm. to do to your to your financing, to your monthly payment, mm -hmm. or to your down payment options. And then let's also talk about this fast closing, um, because uh, basically, if I need something from you, they got to jump. We need it. We need it now. Yeah. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation. Call us toll free eight six six seven one two thirteen hundred. You're listening to Business Radio 1300 KKOL. Call us with your questions. Open House has open phone lines. Give us a call at 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. All right. Well, welcome back to Open House. I'm Reba Hass. I'm Eric Osnes. And we want to get back into some of these strategies for uh, multiple offers. But before we do that, 
We right. want to make a couple of announcements. Right. We're making a personal live appearance this Saturday at the Puyallup Fair. Yes. If you want to come and accost us with your questions about real estate and lending, we'll be there 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. That's right. At the KKOA booth, which I am told is across the, the way from the hobby area. Yes. <laughs> correct. So. North End, I believe. Bring scones and you're guaranteed to get on the air. <laughs> yes, that's right. And he'll answer your questions with a mouthful of scones. That's right. I, that's... I'm, unfortunately, we're not broadcasting from the beer garden, but I guess you oh. can't have everything. Yeah. So that's all right. Beer and scones. Ew. That's right. Hey, by the way, too, if you have a financing specific question, you can always send me an email. The email address is eric, that's E R I C, at ericismybanker.com, just like it sounds. E R I C, eric, at ericismybanker.com. And what's your, what's your, what's your, what's that Twitter thing? Well, our handle on Twitter is at Team Reba, but also if you want to send email to our team, uh, you can contact us at info at teamreba.com. And that's T-E-A-M-R-E-B-A. Correct. Got it. Info at teamreba.com. Yes. All right. So let's get back into some of those uh, pre-approval strategies that we were talking about uh, and as we were in the break, I was asking you about this to, to see whether you would be okay with me bringing up the fact that uh, one of the things that actually can be key uh, in these situations is, uh, I know for myself, most of these offer reviews are in the evening. Right. They happen at night. And they yes. happen on Sundays. Yes, they do. They happen on holidays. Exactly. Yep. The fun part of our industry, sure. right? That it's goes- Monday through Friday. Plus. Right, right. Yeah, I wish I knew what banker's hours meant 30-odd years ago. That's yes, right. exactly. Yep. But um, I, I know for me, I have to make myself available because if there is that listing agent making the calls and doing the follow-up and wanting to get some fine-tuned questions as they're meeting with their customer, the seller, uh, how often do you get pulled into uh, needing to be accessible in those situations. Sure. These days, it's almost on every transaction mm-hmm. uh, be, because they're so competitive right now. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to just give our, our, our customers as much of an, of an advantage as possible when they're competing against other buyers. Absolutely. And I will say from the real estate agent's perspective, that certainly speaks volumes uh, to the listing agent about whether or not that transaction will be successful. Yeah, I always get the comments from from listing agents. They're like, "Wow, you called. I'm I'm not used to getting calls from a lender." And yeah. and and so again, it it does it makes an impact on them. Yeah, I would say that uh strategy-wise when you're working with your lender, if they're open and willing to make that call proactively, right. That's even better than making the listing agent have to go through the process of calling. I mean, cuz when you get sometimes upwards of 20 bids on a house, Right. And you've got to call 15 to 20 lenders. Right. You're spending part of your day just chasing people down. And so I know from a listing agent perspective, we really appreciate when there is a lender who proactively on behalf of their client and the buyer agent contacts us to to help kind of appease any concerns that we may have, right? Right. And that's that's absolutely true. And I, I got to be honest, I mean, I could make a plug if to, for, for you to work with a local lender because that way, you know, they are available. If you're if you're working with somebody who's, who's um, you know, 
in another another state or another part of the country, it may be more difficult right. to or get them on the phone. Just one of those online type mm-hmm. companies. Right. Those those are mm-hmm. my personal nightmare. That's right. You know, so sometimes that can that can definitely be a be a factor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so okay. no, we're we're very trying trying to be very engaged in that process and and. Um, you know, cover that as much as we possibly can. And, and again, like I say, do everything we can to give a leg up. Okay. Uh, then you can usually address things about the closing periods and everything else as well, which is very, very helpful, especially if you're trying to promise a fast closing. That's right. With lending. Absolutely. Do, do I, I see we, that we have a call? We do have a caller. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and open that up. Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Radio 1300. This is uh, Open House with Team Reba. Well, hello. Hello. Is this me? Yeah, you're you're on the air. Oh, good. Well, thank you. I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, listen, I'm I'm thinking of moving to Seattle, and you know, you you've been talking about how hot the market is. Right. And I, I just I just wonder what what sort of bribe offer if I were to offer a bribe to the buyers would it matter based on the neighborhood? Like, for instance, I'm looking at homes in Ballard. Would they like smoked salmon? And if so, would they like locks? Like the traditional stuff, or do you think something more traditional, like Native American? I mean, what's going to make a difference? Well, if it's Ballard, I, I got to go with Lutefisk, Andy. Lutefisk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't have that. I don't have that. I got a lot of food to give away. It's Yom Kippur tonight, man. I got to give you what I got. Yeah. Don't you have to go? Isn't it almost sunset there, my friend? Yeah, don't tell God I had a piece of Canadian bacon and pineapple pizza earlier. Oh, that's uh, that's frightening, but it, that'll just be our little secret, us and, and all the listeners on KKOL. <laughs> well, you know what? Andy actually brings up an interesting point, though, as it talks about multiple offers and whether or not you can provide some other incentives. I actually have a uh, well, I, I uh, I'm not sure about that, Andy, but but. Thank you for the call. Yes. I, <laughs> so. I would say that offering gifts is not usually going to work. You, definitely, we know it's illegal. It's a RESPA or Real Estate Settlement Procedures Act violation to try and do anything outside of a contract. I have so a, make that clear. I have a purchase and sale agreement in my office where the, the buyer actually worked for the Seahawks. And part, oh, no. of, part of the purchase and sale agreement in the contract is that the buyer shall provide the seller with two tickets to the opening game in the you know local opening game on the 50 yard line and that offer was accepted and and we we closed that transaction well so. because that was in the contract yeah well, yeah it was then all it was very clear was now if they legit. had done that outside of the contract right that had would, that as a nudge nudge wink wink right that would have been a violation yes of the real estate settlement and procedures act or Correct. Re- affectionately referred to as respa well so what i want to bring up though uh with that is there are some folks who are trying to use the what everyone deems quote unquote love letters and uh i want to make sure and address some of that because there are some folks who will write these you know very loquacious letters uh saying why they want this house so much and they'll go into a bunch of details about who they are and whether or not they have family or what you know what they do and um i just want to put out there that people need to be extremely careful with those oh absolutely Uh, as as a listing agent i always tell my sellers they'll never see those right right because there's huge amounts of risk of fair housing violations 
So we really try and avoid having it be anything but the business terms in those situations. Got it. Looks like we have another caller uh, on line one. Uh, we have Carrie from Bellevue. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Open House of Team Reba. Hi, thank you. My question is, you guys keep giving a lot of great advice. As far as finding a lender and a real estate agent, what advice would you give? What are certain things to look like or to look for mm-hmm. um, in different agents and lenders? Because I've never, we've looked at different agents, but I've never heard of actually looking for different lenders. I thought they were all the same. That's a great oh, question. Yeah, that is a great question. Yeah. Um, you know, Reba, I don't know if you want to take a stab at that. I'm a little bit biased on it. Um, oh, you think? I'm going to tell you this, <laughs> Carrie. Uh, um, it, there, um, up until recently, anyone could be a lender. There were no licensing requirements or, or anything like that. We've kind of solved that problem locally in Washington State now. I would look, number one, to reviews if you're going to look at Yelp mm-hmm. or I, I prefer you know Zillow or, or Active Rain. You can kind of see ratings and, and reviews from, from other customers. I'd start having a little bit of a skewed eye on Active Rain right now because it got bought by Ben Kinney. Okay. All right. So, so it's going to be owned by a real estate agent company okay. now. So, so it's going to change drastically. Well, let's, let's just say Zillow or Yelp would mm-hmm. be maybe a really good place to start. Talk to, um, get feedback from your friends. Talk to your realtor if you have one already lined up. Most real estate agents do have several lenders that they have good working relationships with, and they can give you good input on the success rate of those folks. Thank you for the call, Carrie. Really appreciate it. Thanks again for joining us. This is Open House with Team Reba on 1300 KKOL. Thank you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at re slash Max Metro Eastside on Facebook or email info at teamreba.com. Join us again next Tuesday at 3 for more Open House with Team Reba here on Business Radio 1300 KKOL. Program sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage.